Thank you once again for joining us on Upendo Books, Diversity and Inclusion. We had the amazing opportunity to speak to Anne Y.K. Choi. Now, Anne Y.K. Choi's debut novel, K's Lucky Coin Variety, was a finalist for the Toronto Book Award in 2016. For the past 18 years, she has been an educator with the York Region District School Board. Her debut children's book and second novel will be released in 2020. Anne lives in Toronto. She is an amazing creative, a genuine individual, and such a joyous spirit. It was wonderful to talk to her. because as much accolades and praise that he's garnered over his career, he's very, very down to earth. I remember talking to him and, and just within his notes and everything, like I'd never really felt that he was um, sort of somebody to put on a pedestal. Like e- even though the reason why I chose him was because, you know, he, he's a phenomenal author, he's a great screenwriter, and he's, you know, two-time winner of the Governor General's Award, and now he's a senator. But at the same time, he's been able to retain that humanity, and I think that's that's incredible. Wow. So you were at the 2014 event. I just went to go see him, David. Yeah, because I was there as well. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was there. I was actually volunteering with the Humber School for Writers. And one of the reasons why I actually volunteered that day is because, you know, he was there. And so, you know, we got to talk and everything. And it was, it was great. So it's kind of interesting because when you said that, I'm thinking, wait, I was... We probably saw each other in passing. Well, you know what? I'm sure 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I was actually volunteering. At the yeah, at the festival. Um, yeah, so I do that periodically, but uh, but specifically for that event, I wanted to be there just because you know David was going to be there, and so yeah, after he they he you know he was honored, you know I got to talk to him a little bit and um, you know just I thanked him for everything that he was able to do for me and you know we took a picture and he's very gracious and. Yeah, so that was in, yeah, that was it. And then um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of people there, kind of huddled around, and uh, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking that because there were yeah, there were a bunch of people waiting to talk to him, and uh, you know, I, I just said you know thank you very much, and and that was it because obviously, you know, you don't want to really monopolize his time, but um, but yeah, I, I think maybe because there were there were a couple of people, and and that hall that they had it in. You know, wasn't rel it was relatively intimate, so guaranteed we saw each other. I think, yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh he's great. I mean, he's he's really good. We got I think we got really lucky with him. I worked with them. I think it was uh, was it 2014, 2015. It's been it's been a, a bit a while. Oh, mine was a lot. Like mine was yeah, 2009. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was. Um, Yeah, but he, I mean, obviously, you know, as, uh, as sort of, he's, he's like, with my, when I was writing my draft, I don't know how, how he was writing your draft, but he was very clear just in terms of his direction, and so he was very concise, but, like, to the point in terms of, you know, what was working, what was not working, um, and so, like, for me, I really appreciated that, I appreciated to find out what was not working. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, they want, um, you know, they sort of want to be eased in, I guess, into con constructive criticism, where I, I, for me, I just want the work to be as good as it can possibly be. So if somebody of that caliber is telling me, you know, this, you may want to think about this, you know, I'm, I'm really, really open to listening to them and not resisting or fighting, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So how was he when you, when you were working with him?
Yes. And so he was able to work with me at the level I was at, very entry level. Mm-hmm. And I think I really appreciated that because I never felt like, um, I never felt overwhelmed. I never felt um, compromised. I never, do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like I go back and I look at the first draft and it was pretty raw. Yeah. It never made me feel that, like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, feeling, Why should I write it? But you know, he was like, um, "Only you can write the story," and and he just encouraged me, but not in a flattering way. You know, it was a very practical, like the story should be told. And <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He was the same way with me too. Just very. Yeah. Uh, and I remember in 2014, the person that introduced him said that. You know, and I, I was laughing at my table because he was the same with me as well. I remember the lady that introduced him, I think she wrote a horror novel, and she was saying that um, the reason why I'm published is because, you know, David was very clear in terms of what was working, what was not working, and uh, I was able to really revise my draft based on his suggestions. Uh, and I remember with my drafts too, he was he was very, like, direct and to the point. You know, this, this is kind of, this is this is working and you may need to think about this a little bit more in terms of developing this. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, for me too, it was interesting because it was the first type of program like that, that I've ever, I'd ever done. And so there's some trepidation there. I didn't really know what to expect, especially working with somebody, you know, of, of that stature. But again, like you're saying, he was very, very supportive. Um, and I remember even sometimes he would, uh, email me and ask for pages and you know how's the story going you know you know we're, i'm expecting some pages from you and that type of encouragement really pushed me forward because you know here here's this individual you know who obviously is probably working on their own book and has other responsibilities but you know they're coming back to me and saying you know i want to read more of your work you know just where is it yeah he, he was great yeah so Thank you so much for taking this time um, to speak with me today. Um, so I wanted to talk mostly about uh, your your book. But first of all, um, I, I've read I've read some history about you. But just could you tell us a little bit more, just in terms of uh, your history? I know that you're you're an educator, um, you're you're a writer. Um, but yeah, if you could just tell us some of your your history uh, with regard to you know developing the book and how you came to it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And back then, Canada needed um, auto workers, mm-hmm. so we ended up coming to Canada. But 1975 looked very different than 2018. Um, it, we, you know, growing up, we never, we weren't exposed to the Ocean language or any Canadian culture. Um, so when we came, I think we um, we felt a little lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the beginning, my parents were working. Um, my mom, my mom is a, has a strong entrepreneurial spirit, and I think she was thinking there's no way she was going to uh, work in a factory mm-hmm. for the rest of her life in Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, and at that point, um, the variety store. She had started working in a variety store, and and I think she really realized early on that if um, 
they were willing to work really, really hard in Canada, um, put in the hours, and have very limited English. The variety store was one definite way to go. Mm-hmm. So that's how we ended up um, in the variety store. And again, I don't think my parents fully appreciated how difficult <laughs> the variety store would be in the beginning. And again, seriously, I remember growing up and my friends used to you know, always think we were so lucky that we had a variety store because we could like candy and soda pop or whatever we wanted. Yes. But the reality is um, the store opened at 7 in the morning, closed mm-hmm. at 11, mm-hmm. um, 365 days a year. Yes. Um, we lost count of the number of times we were robbed. It was oh, just wow, a very yeah. difficult um, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I grew up um, really envying my, um, my non-Korean friends. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, from a distance, and I didn't know this, right? But from a distance, it looked like you know their parents were more invested in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know uh, at school there's always parents' nights or recitals or whatever, and you know I grew up kind of thinking, oh my gosh, all my white friends' parents would make it a priority to attend all these events. Uh, but of course, we could, my parents couldn't because especially at night, you didn't want to be in the store by yourself. No, yeah. Um, so I grew up really, really angry, uh, angry at my mother, um, just, just not feeling good about, um, about being Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, I think, early defining moments for us was when we came in 1975, it was actually a school board policy that um, you needed a, a Canadian friendly name. And wow, really? Oh yeah, in 1975 it was a school board policy that you needed um, an Anglo-Saxon name and uh, my name, my Korean name is Yu Kyung, which is very difficult for any non-Korean to Yoo say. Yu okay. But um, so we were given new names hmm. and that's how I became Anne. Interesting, and okay. And we were told through a translator that, you know, um, we needed names because, and it was in our best interest because our names would only bring ridicule and teasing mm. and how our teachers would never be able to pronounce our name. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It wasn't until I became a mother mm-hmm. that it hit me how my mother must have felt in that moment. Because I, my husband and I, we took so much care in naming our daughter. Like mm-hmm. we served perfect name uh, and it brought us such joy mm-hmm. and it hit me really hard in that moment that you know my mom had all three of her children renamed wow. um, and again it, it didn't um, it didn't you know um, hit me in the moment but over the years and again I was seven um, just feeling more and more of a loss in terms of my identity what it meant Mm-hmm. It just felt like sacrifices after sacrifices, and again, in my you know my seven-year-old mind, I didn't realize that you know you could learn English and Korean at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think of that, so I ended up abandoning the Korean language because I really felt I needed to learn English. English. We were mm-hmm. in Canada; we had to learn English mm-hmm. because without language, you don't have power. Mm-hmm. An incident in my building where um, this little boy um, 
attacked me when I got out of the elevator, this little boy with flaming red hair. And the second day, he, uh, I got off the elevator, and he was standing, and he had a wrench in his hand. Whoa. And he was swinging it at me. What? And I grabbed the wrench from him, mm-hmm. and I had, uh, you know, I had pinned him to the ground. And, and Good for you, high. yes. Well, I had the wrench high in the air, trying to get it away from him. Mm-hmm. When the elevator door opened, and this white couple stepped out. Mm-hmm. And from their vantage point, it looked like I was beating up this little boy. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, it was such a difficult moment because they were screaming at me. Oh, wow. I had no idea what they were saying, but yeah. I could tell by their tone, mm-hmm. by their anger, that they thought it was my fault. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the language to defend myself. Mm-hmm. And I was so humiliated by the moment wow. that I didn't tell anybody what happened. And for the rest of my day, you know, years in the apartment, I could never ride the elevator again. I took the five floors, five no. sisters up and down to get back and forth. But that, coupled with the fact that, you know, in this country, you know, the white people had the power to take mm-hmm. away my name, it, mm-hmm. just, it just really compromised my sense of self. Mm-hmm. And, and then watching my parents and what life was like in the store. That by the time I got to high school, um, I really struggled with mental wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, um, I, yeah, I, I, I really struggled in high school. Um, and it was then that I started seeing different counselors and mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. And every one of them would tell me I needed to write, write down your feelings, write down what you think. And I had the most well-intentioned guidance counselors, mm-hmm. and they were lovely, lovely women, but they they weren't able to understand um, where I was the from reality. a cultural, and from a cultural perspective, mm-hmm. um, until one day, um, and I, I, I'm grateful to my guidance counselor, they actually brought in a Korean social worker, oh, okay. and that changed things for me, because suddenly, I had um, someone to talk to who understood my cultural background mm-hmm. when he said to me oh I know you can't go home and tell your parents how you feel I know what it's like because he too was an immigrant it made me feel normal for the first time mm-hmm. um, but I continued to struggle with uh, my mental um, health and by the time I got into post-secondary school at the university um, I was advised by one of the um, counselors I was seeing to maybe talk to, you know, Korean, Canadian young women and find out what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started asking them, and the more I talked to them, the more I realized they were just as unhappy as me, and that made me so happy. <laughs> because it made me feel normal again. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is what, you know, a lot of us just want some sort of reassurance that what we're feeling, what we're going through. Mm-hmm. We're connected we're to alone. others. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I found that a lot of young women were angry with their mothers mm-hmm. because, again, that whole sense of burden and expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one day where I came home from school and we had been robbed. Wow. And the robbers um, took the money but also chose to beat my mother up. Wow, no. And make things worse, you know, we lived above the store, and they went upstairs, and they ransacked our home, too, no. and it was just so 
brutal. And mm-hmm. but my mom kept saying, you know, this is all worth it if you could have a better life. Wow, sacrifice. And I grew to resent that mm-hmm. because it just felt too much for me. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was really, really angry with my mother and her expectations. But again, to hear other young women were also feeling that. Mm-hmm. So all of these young women's voices, including my own, kind of lingered in my head and stayed with me and haunted me until they eventually became my main character. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's how my main character came to be. And Mary is a composite of the just under 40 women mm-hmm. that I interviewed for this happiness project that my counselor had me do back in 1980. The story in my uh, my novel, um, uh, the ideas were born in the late 80s, and they refused to go away Mm -hmm. until I finally started writing about them in the mid-2000s. And how was that process for you when I actually started to write and and document everything that you had been through? Was that that a cathartic process, or how would you describe it? You know, um, in the mid-2000s, I became a brand new special head, a, a special... Um, head of special education okay. and I, I met this wonderful student mm-hmm. and um, actually I have this permission to share the story but this particular student had four exceptionalities. He okay. had ADD, mm-hmm. ADHD, mm-hmm. he had OCD, a learning disability and Tourette's mm-hmm. wow. and my job uh, was to get him to go to classes mm-hmm. and he didn't want to go to class mm-hmm. uh, and at one point I was exasperated what is it going to take you to go to classes? What do you want to do with your life? And he shot back and said, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, you know what, I'm a teacher. I'm doing what I want to do. And he said, surely there's got to be more to life than being a teacher. And what do you truly want? And he pushed me mm-hmm. until I finally said, I want to write a book. Wow. Okay. And then he said, well, why aren't you? Mm-hmm. And I came up with all of these excuses. You know what, I'm working full time. Mm-hmm. I have a young child. Yes. Uh, I'm Yes. Finding with Simon and Schuster. So that's our story. 
That would make such an amazing movie. I mean, that is incredible. Um, I, I love the way you pushed each other, though. That was remarkable young man and you know what I, uh, his parents invited me to his graduation at uh, Western so we drove up to London oh, wow. and both his mother and I cried after the <laughs> convocation and yes. he um, didn't stop there he ended up going to um, chiropractic school he's now working as a chiropractor wow that's incredible so he's doing very doing well very well Interesting the people that you meet in your life, right? That that kind of push you and and get you to to not only reveal what you really want to do in terms of your life purpose, but also are there to support you throughout the journey. That that's incredible. I think especially with the writing, mm -hmm. it's important to create community. Yes. I think for me, one of the things you know when people ask if you could go back and change things or what would you advise moving forward. I wrote for a long, long time. I graduated um, from U of T in 1992. Mm -hmm. um, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I submitted to places. And I, it was just rejection after rejection after mm -hmm. rejection. Until the student said, you know, like, why aren't you writing? Your and it dawned on me that, you know, I've been doing the same thing and going nowhere mm -hmm. for so long that it, I always just assumed, too, it's because I, I enjoy reading. And my background is in English, like I have an English degree, and I teach uh, English that I should somehow know how to write. And, yes. and it was a big blow to me that mm -hmm. I don't know that the, the craft of writing, writing to publish, is actually, uh, there's a lot more to it. And it wasn't until I signed up for my first uh, writing course at U of T uh, through the continuing studies that I, and I was sitting in a room of like-minded people that I realized, one, there's so much to learn about um, the writing the process, craft, yeah. and also to the writing life. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, the best thing I ever did was step out of the uh, my bedroom and really see the light and connect with other people who do write, mm -hmm. because I took that one course, uh, and then from there I met other people like me and that wanted to write but felt stuck and we created our own writing group and we have been together now 11 years wow my writing circle mm -hmm. uh, and they i have workshop my entire two novels through them and just to be able to um, have a, a community a group of people who um, are vested in my work that care about me and, mm -hmm. and are really constructive and critical in their feedback mm -hmm. because i think that's the other thing like a friend that will say, oh, your story is nice. Like, I don't need that. Like, as <laughs> exactly. friend, like, writing yeah. to publish, you really, really need uh, um, sort of a critical eye. Right. Mm -hmm. so, um, so to have that. Because one of the things I really struggle with is getting started. Like, really? if I could okay. avoid writing, yes. I would. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I, I, I find it very difficult to, to get started and to just with that. Mm -hmm. But my writing circle meets on the second Saturday of every month. Mm -hmm. And 
and I'm, I'm happy to let myself down by not writing anything today, but if I know that others are expecting something, Deadlines, I won't let them yeah. down. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's building uh, external accountability, and that's what drove me and pushed me to get the second book out. Oh. But, um, but that whole idea of community. And, very and very recently, um, my writing circle just that uh, we've um, our first anthology and had a launch a few weeks ago. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's uh, one of the things that, uh, you know how you said it's interesting people meeting, uh, you know, how you just meet people. Mm -hmm. um, the University of Toronto, I'm actually an alumni mentor, and I met this lovely, lovely young woman who in her second year mm -hmm. created her own publishing press with wow. the intention of publishing emerging writers. Mm -hmm. So her whole goal is to be a publisher, not to be a writer, but a publisher. So um, she just graduated in June, but uh, her publishing press uh, published our uh, my writing group's anthology. That's great, wow. And, uh, and she's actually now doing her master's in English, but just completely blown away. And the University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies, um, they were wonderful. They um, they worked with us, gave us a space and, and, um, to host, uh, because we got a little ambitious. We decided that the first half of the day we would have a speaker series, mm -hmm. followed by a series of workshops, oh, and then okay. our anthology launch. So we were able to do all this. We were sponsored by Centennial. How wow. much more for writers sponsored us? <laughs> That's great. Uh, and um, UFT's uh, School of Continuing Studies and George Brown. So we were able, to, and we had some small presses come out and join us. Wow. Um, but again, you're right. It's like when you just step out of your room and ask for help. Mm -hmm. um, it's incredible what comes to you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And can I just give out a shout out? To, uh, the young lady's name is Tally, and she's with the Soapbox Press. And I, again, I'm just blown away by um, the different communities out there. Okay. And It's huge because, you know, writing is such a solitary activity that, you know, you do need that connection with other individuals, especially if they're focused on the same thing that you're focused on, which is improving your craft in order to share your work with the public. So, yeah, definitely you can shout her out. We'll, you know, we're, we're happy to do that. Um, I'm just wondering just in terms of your editing process and how you approach that um, I know that you mentioned earlier that you had workshopped your manuscript within your within your group, but after you had workshopped it, what was your process actually like then to, you know, refine the narrative um, in order then to submit it to the publishing house? So um, I actually have uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful agent, mm -hmm. Jackie, Jackie Kaiser is my
um, feedback. And uh, so I work very closely with um, my writing group. Mm -hmm. I also have some editors, freelance editors that I do trust okay. and, um, and um, have worked with. And then after that, um, so it goes through many, many, I think, lenses mm -hmm. before I feel comfortable um, getting it to my agent and then mm -hmm. from my agent. The editor I'm working with right now, um, Bruce, uh, she worked with me on my first novel as well. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's phenomenal. Um, and so when you're working from like revision to revision, um, how do you stay focused just in terms of refining the story? Because it can almost seem that through all of the editing, it, it may seem a little bit difficult just in terms of you know, staying focused on the story and not wanting to, you know, divert to another project or another uh, another story that you may have in mind. Um, so what is that process like for you? I think what works best for me is the fact that I have a full-time job and yeah. therefore my time <laughs> is extremely limited. Yes. It's, um, so, because I, I remember um, a, few, uh, a few years ago, I took a leave of absence um, to promote um, He's Lucky Coin Variety. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I had all this time on my hands. Mm -hmm. And it was like, whoa, I could do anything I want. I got not, a lot less done. Really interesting. Okay. Um, but whereas I work full time. So, like, for me now, like, my most productive writing time is from 9 to 12 p.m. And interesting. Like, okay. Like, it, so, the time, it has to be focused, and I know that, uh, um, so for example, I'm working on edits right now, uh, revision through my second book, mm -hmm. and I have like this itemized list of things that uh, my editor has given me, but also too, I work best with deadlines, like I'm one, I, I need, because um, it's too easy to, um, to want to rest. <laughs> 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 Again, the other thing that works for me is uh, because it's it's too easy to feel guilty, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I should be writing, I should be writing. That I actually schedule my writing okay. so that if I know I have to write from 9 to 11 tonight, if it's 7 o'clock, I'm not worried about writing. Mm -hmm. or I should be writing now, right? Because I know that, no, it's not till 9. So it's like a, it's actually become a job. And so I really uh, schedule when I'm going to write. Um, and I, I know that does not work for everybody because some people will say, um, you know, you need to be in the mood or you need to be creative. But it's come to a point where the writing is now actually a job. Mm -hmm. So I have to, um, if I schedule the time, I will work. And sometimes, you know, I could write for a few hours and get nothing. Mm -hmm. But as long as mentally I feel like I put in the time, um, that's worked for me. But really, for me, I can't... Um, deviate from projects because again, I don't have time mm -hmm. and I'm so glad that because people are like don't you want more time and I'm like no it's, <laughs> it's right because I think if you have more time you'll do more so I think we have just the perfect amount of time <laughs> to get to get everything that you want to, to get done um, right. it's interesting we have been sort of corresponding back and forth through through email and the last email that uh one of the last emails you'd mentioned that you were traveling up north 
uh, to discuss your books. I'm just wondering uh, how that trip came about for you and and what was the reaction to individuals when you were up there discussing your, your book? So I was um, invited to go to Thunder Bay. Yes, the Thunder International Bay. Festival of Authors have um, uh, uh, the tours where uh, authors visit different cities and towns and do talks. And I was fortunate enough to be invited to go to Thunder Bay. And again, I'd never been to Thunder Bay, and I, that's a place that I've always wanted to explore. <laughs> really? It just sounds so, like, I don't know, like, so far, and, and to me it sounded exotic in its own way, like the wilderness and hiking and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so I, it was absolutely amazing. I had such a great time mm -hmm. because as soon as I got there and I started talking to people, you know, the first thing they would say is, oh, yeah, the corner variety store, they're Korean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was just amazing to connect with, because you know what, it's really funny, because um, everybody, almost everybody I meet has a variety store uh, story, mm -hmm. right, where uh, they'll know a family and they'll tell me about, uh, you know what, the, the Kim family runs this uh, variety store, they're going, do you know them? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's, and even growing up, um, the variety store, because the area that this, um, the store that was, uh, that is where I destroyed my novel, you know, it was basically Ukrainian uh, immigrants and mm -hmm. pensioners and whatnot. There were very few Korean families, but we felt a part of the community because everybody came into the store. And it, back in the 70s and 80s, it was a different, uh, like you would go to the corner variety store to buy like groceries. Yes. It's not like today where we have all these big giant supermarkets. And, mm -hmm. um, so that we were able to have relationships with uh, with families. Mm -hmm. and But it was nice to go up to Thunder Bay and just um, connect with people because they had their own story about mm -hmm. the store. Mm -hmm. And I am so blown away that in 2018 that people are talking about stories from behind the counter of a variety store. Like, mm -hmm. with Kim's Convenience and yeah. uh, on CBC, like, it's beyond my imagination that, because, uh, again, growing up, right, the store was like, oh, my gosh, the store consumed us and mm -hmm. trained us, and, and we felt, you know, like we were slaves to mm -hmm. the store. That's interesting. Thunder Bay, I read that because, you know, I actually used to live in Kirkland Lake, which is... Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, which is north of, of uh, wow. Thunder Bay. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, those... Uh, it's interesting because even I, you know, we had really good experience up there as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just interesting. And uh, I remember they had a really good library. And I wonder if it's still around up, up there in Kirkland Lake. So yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm, I'm wondering though, because you know everybody you mentioned that ha has a story for you know convenience stores and Kim's Variety, and so there seems to be a lot more support for inclusive and and diverse voices. So I'm just wondering what your impressions of of that is, and what can we do in order to be more inclusive and have more diverse voices that people can enjoy? Well, for me, um, because I'm an educator mm -hmm. and because I work in the high school 
setting, it's become more and more important um, that um, we do share our diverse stories. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize until I was an adult that, because I never questioned what I read and studied in school. Mm -hmm. um, and again, wonderful books that, like, I grew up, you know, just um, Margaret Lawrence, Margaret Atwood, mm -hmm. Alice, all these amazing great authors. Yeah. Great authors. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, um, I was an adult that it dawned on me that I couldn't name anyone else. Mm -hmm. And, and again, what, how did that affect me, mm -hmm. my sense of self, my identity? Mm -hmm. um, and what really troubled uh, me and what continues to, to uh, trouble me is uh, I work in schools and um, part of my background is a guidance. The students that I'm meeting are telling me exactly what I used to tell my guidance counselor, yeah, yeah. which is, you know, um, my parents are telling me they immigrated to Canada for me. Um, are struggling with the same mental health issues, mm -hmm. their sense of identity. Um, and again, my daughter graduated from high school two years ago mm -hmm. uh, in Toronto, and her curriculum mirrored mine. In fact, I was able to help her with her homework oh, because wow. I was able to say, I read the chrysalids when I was <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just like you. Yeah. And I you know, and I am a part of that system. Uh, when I was in English, um, like I think back to all the books that I read and taught. Mm -hmm. And I teach in uh, Markham, which is a predominantly Asian uh, population. Yes. And again, what does it mean to you know my students and to uh, walk into a school um, where their teachers don't look like them? Mm -hmm. When they're studying, uh, does not represent uh, their heritage or their background. Like if we start, I think, unpacking all of that, it, mm -hmm. it really tells me that things have to change, and yeah. things are changing. Mm -hmm. I think um, there's a huge movement, uh, and I, I, I know, like even within my school, uh, last year, two uh, students that I worked very closely with in grade 12 English, um, they did a huge project, and I'm happy to share a link to it. They, um, they actually downloaded the Ministry of uh, Education English curriculum documents mm -hmm. to see if they uh, could replace everything that they were studying with work by diverse Canadian authors. Wow, that's great. And what it turns out is there's nothing in the ministry documents that tells teachers what they have to mm. um, read. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. It just says you need to, uh, students need to, by the end of this course, be able to do this, 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 but it doesn't name any books or mm -hmm. any um, journals or whatever. So they actually created a website, uh, a Twitter, and um, mm -hmm. this thing, they have over 200 authors of diverse backgrounds wow. on their data bank, yes. um, including plays by um, diverse candidate authors and indigenous authors. They actually recently uh, presented at an international educators conference about their work. So I think there's a huge movement, a momentum, uh, just embracing uh, stories by diverse Canadian candidate mm -hmm. and Indigenous authors. I think mm -hmm. especially for the new generation of readers, 
we have to um, re-examine what can look, looks like for them. Oh, definitely. And I think just, you know, with the proliferation of, of technology and all these different platforms that people can use to share these types of stories, I think it's going to become more indicative of the way in which people actually exchange ideas, exchange narratives, which is really, really encouraging to see. And especially with the students, you know, that you teach in the younger generation is that, um, you know, they're very, very active, proactive in terms of, you know, getting these type of stories out. And it's very inspiring because you, you notice that individuals that are, you know, 13, 14, maybe 15, 16 years old, are doing these remarkable things and are able to generate so much interest and create these these movements um, that uh, you know I, I think back to when I was 16 and you know I don't know whether it was the lack of technology or, or whatever but I, I just feel that they're so much more well positioned and they're so well informed as well uh, and they're so dedicated and focused on making things you know, better and working together. So that's, yeah, it's very, very encouraging. It's, you know, we need diverse books and, and that, uh, that movement. It's um, one of the students was saying how, because um, the, um, the, my student's website, which if I could share is actually yeah, diversityincanlit.wordpress.com. Okay. Um, so most of, uh, actually recently, there's a huge uh, amount of American visitors to their website. Um, American educators, and, and actually it's funny because um, they have a lot of uh, diverse candidate authors and indigenous authors supporting uh, them via Good. Twitter, Very and and, uh, and I think because part of their focus was as students, they wanted to bring educators and Canadian and indigenous authors together mm -hmm. to see you know, what work can be done moving forward. But uh, they were saying that the conversations in the past were uh, usually on a national level, mm -hmm. but now it's uh, conversations are at the international level, yes. right? Like yeah. whatever we're talking about, mm -hmm. the world is now. It's more global. <laughs> yes. And uh, and they get that, mm -hmm. and they're leveraging that. And I find that so exciting. I mm -hmm. have so much faith <laughs> in, uh, in our young people today, right? Mm -hmm. And I... They're the ones that you know have inspired me to write this book and, and keep me mm -hmm. focused uh, on what we can do. Yes, and I think that's very, very important, especially now where, you know, there's a lot of information out there that tries to disempower people. So as you're saying, it's, it's very encouraging to see young people, whether we're talking about gun control or whether we're talking about, you know, getting more diverse voices out to the forefront, that they're very determined and they will not be deterred from you know contributing to society in, in the way that they feel is, is necessary so that yeah I mean I told I'm totally in agreement with you um, I'm wondering though you know you you've been writing for a long time and you've dedicated a lot of time and effort to it and you know there's a lot of passion behind and, and focus with what you're doing so I'm just wondering about the um, the day that you received the news that your book Hayes Lucky Coin Variety was a finalist for the Toronto Book Award, and I believe it was one of CBC's 12 best candidate debut novels for 2016. So, what was that day like when you when you got that information? No, it, <laughs> it, it was it, so everything has I felt a little surreal and. I'm grateful. 
Mm-hmm. And I can't stop but think about how many people went into the book. Mm-hmm. It started with, uh, you know, um, I met my editor, uh, Phyllis Bruce, um, when I was this, um, at the University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies, the creative writing program. In order to graduate from the certificate program, you have to uh, present it in front of a panel like you would like a thesis. And uh, the director of that program had arranged for the editor at, um, at that time, she was with HarperCollins, to come be on the panel. Interesting. And so for me, um, it was mind-blowing that, you know, because she actually asked me if I'd be interested in working with her. So that's how I, I got connected to my current editor. She's since moved to Simon & Schuster. Mm-hmm. But um, it, the book wasn't even finished. Uh, it was raw. Like, I had David Frum's <laughs> 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 version on his long list of books. David from uh, the Humber School for Writers, right? And his mm-hmm. long, long list of recommendations moving forward. Um, and I remember telling her, the book's not ready. And she said, when it's ready, let's talk. And so wow. I worked. And um, so I think when I, you know, finding out about the shortlist and, and everything else that year, because I got extremely lucky with the book, um, uh, was shortlisted for a few other uh, recognitions. Oh, fantastic. I think I was just blown away, but also um, because if I think about the people behind the book, mm-hmm. I had this editor believe in a story that was you know, a whisper when I first met her. Mm-hmm. I had worked with David Adams Richards, mm-hmm. who I had long admired uh, from the Humber School for Writers. At the University of Toronto, I worked with um, um, authors like Dennis Bach, Alexandra Leggett um, was my final project advisor. There were so many people um, that I respected and admired that supported the project that uh, they were actually the first people I thought of because it was, I I didn't do it alone. Yes, definitely, yeah. And my writing group, and they were the first people I, uh, the first group that I actually acknowledged in my um, acknowledgement at the end of the book because mm-hmm. it's um, they they were there through everything, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I just again feeling really really grateful because I didn't do it alone, and even mm-hmm. moving forward, like this book that I'm working on now, and mm-hmm. it's it's I'm not alone. Yeah. And I'm just grateful that people believe in the story. That's amazing. And just um, some of the re- remaining questions I have. One is, what type of advice would you give for um, novelists who sort of you know want to follow in your footsteps, just in terms of you know developing the story and also working with an editor, and then finally getting it published um, with a major publisher? For me, mm-hmm. it's. Um, if I had to go back and advise my own self, I would have said, leave, you know, your room earlier and connect, connect, connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, for me, I was able to take a, a writing course. But I think there's so many opportunities for writers to connect. The Toronto Public Library, for example, has, uh, you know, writing groups. Mm-hmm. There's, and there are many, many opportunities for um, aspiring writers to connect with real write uh, that's not right. Uh, with <laughs> we'll just edit that out, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for aspiring uh, writers to yes. connect with published authors, um, there's like 
a uh, word on the street, for example, mm-hmm. is uh, is a, a free festival. festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Toronto Public Libraries they have the Author A series. There's so many opportunities. There's book launches mm-hmm. all over the place. These are all free opportunities for um, writers to connect with uh, other writers. Mm-hmm. I think too is if any. Um, I would advise any. Um, who wants to write this one I think you have to really really decide are you writing for yourself is this like a hobby mm-hmm. are you writing for yourself mm-hmm. in which case that's great and you can do that but or are you writing to publish yes. because I think both of them take you through different paths mm-hmm. if you're writing to publish then um, then you need to start, I, I would advise them to set goals because um, goals and you need like the smart goals right you need goals with timelines and accountability built in and 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 really approach it like work mm-hmm. um but this whole and then again really like specific advice i would do my research i would find out you know what kind of genre are you writing who writes like who do you admire as a writer who do you uh, want because uh, at the back of any book most authors will thank people. They will almost always thank their agent, their editor, <laughs> yeah. right? So mm-hmm. this is how you could find out people that you might be able to reach out to. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting, yeah. Um, so, so again, I would advise people to go to um, the public library, go to the bookstore, find out, you know, uh, what publishers are publishing. What right now, the other day, I was. Well, with a writer friend who was trying to figure out a publisher uh, to send his manuscript. So, you know, we went through uh, Coach House's most recent list mm-hmm. and, and looked through it, and there was uh, amazing books, a lot of experimental writing, and, and then in the end he decided, okay, this is not going to work for me. And so, But he was doing his research to figure out strategically, you know, what publisher would mm-hmm. be interested in what he's writing. Mm-hmm. I think um, writers who are writing to publish really need to do their homework. And the other huge thing that works for me is find a mentor. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's um, and it does, it doesn't have to be a formal mentorship, but uh, I just find again remember we talked about uh, role models and mentors, right? Yes. Uh, mentors will come to where you're at, mm-hmm. your level, and will help um, just Develop. walk with you, walk mm-hmm. side by side with you, yeah. right, through this journey. And as a mentor. Uh, one of the, uh, like I, I find it extremely rewarding because um, I get something out of the relationship as well. I find talking to uh, to people who want to write and just brainstorming and coming up with ideas it fuels uh, my hunger, right? And keeps my thinking fresh. So Definitely. another practical thing would be to find uh, a mentor, but just again, be make sure you're part of a Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a big community, but just so that you're not alone, that yeah. um, you are able to share resources, find out about different events, get out there. I think um, uh, many writers um, can be introverted, and right, cause <laughs> writing, like you said, is a solid. It does take a lot of, I think, energy and effort, and sometimes it can feel really daunting. Yes, um, yeah. But this is where you find another 
writers like <laughs> yeah like a kindred spirit and you can you, you can share both in the triumph and the trials of everything um so would you then recommend as far as finding a mentor that you know writers that are formulating their novels and acknowledge that there is a, a definite need for a mentor in their development um these events that you have talked about and they're fantastic because we live in a city that does have a lot of really interesting events especially for those in, that love literature that they attend those events and then connect with people that they respect or um, would you recommend them to just find their mentor just in terms of the books that they like to read and then approach the mentor with like a, you know, with a respectful email or just a request for some time in order to discuss their project or how right, would, and I yeah. think again it would depend on um, on um, and it, it it doesn't have to be a formal mentor uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it yeah. could be a matter of I find it's been my experience that most authors are very generous. That's right. And yeah. That's right. I and it's funny because I was talking to. Um, an author who said that initially she thought everyone would be competitive and everyone's guarded about sharing their story ideas, and we both agreed it's been the opposite for mm -hmm. us, right? That the vast majority of authors are, um, because again, it's such a small community, mm -hmm. and I think, um, and, and and I think this is where. Um, can kind of give up if you get your first no. It's um, it's really finding somebody that um, that writes in your genre or write or thinks. Because again, emails and like there's just so much with the social media, right? There's now, so much noise. You're right. Yeah. It's it's um, and again, even shooting um, uh, an author that you admire a quick question. Mm -hmm. um, it's just I think others because um, it's so hard, it's so easy to fall and stay down right mm -hmm. like so, uh, even with the, the children's book you know I had most, like just had big rejections right? <laughs> big, big rejections and yeah. they're heartbreaking right because you invest uh, and especially with uh, traditional publishers you don't mm -hmm. get a no like right away you get a no after three six sometimes a year mm -hmm. so you're investing so much time yeah. and and with uh, many traditional publishers even before you sign a contract the editors will work with you and then they present it to the editorial board and at that point they could get a no so you you might have invested an entire year working with somebody to get a and it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. and it could be devastating um, and this is where I think you need your community to help pick you up, yes, to that's kind of cushion the blow, <laughs> and help you keep moving forward. Because sometimes it just, yeah, like you wonder why would I do this again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but again, this is why I think it's just really, really important that. Uh, one, especially me, because I've, you know, I've struggled with my mental health, and I know um, the dark places I could go. Mm -hmm. So it's been very important to make sure that I surround myself with like-minded and supportive and caring um, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, very, very key. 
Um, I'm, I'm wondering though, with you mentioned your your book, your your new picture, your children's book is coming out. I'm just wondering if there's anything that you can tell us about about uh, about that picture book or that children's book. I had trouble um, initially trying to sell the book because oh. my protagonist is uh, a young Korean um, child, mm-hmm. and it was interesting to get some feedback around you know whether or not uh, the story was country was ready for a story um, in ancient Korea. Um, We got some feedback as to uh, marketing not feeling confident that they could sell this. Because bottom line, and Mm -hmm. this is what I've learned, is unless uh, it will make money for Mm -hmm. the publisher, uh, and that makes sense, right? uh, So it was interesting for me to learn the business side of publishing. Mm-hmm. I think um, all the courses that uh, we've taken over the years, um, learning how to write, I, I, it wasn't until you know you cross the other side that you realize that there's a whole whack of politics and business and stuff that you have to suddenly know or learn very quickly how mm-hmm. to navigate. Mm-hmm. And again, that was, that was very tricky. And this is where I think if you are able to have a relationship with somebody who's done it already and who could help you navigate through that um, because it's that part is a whole different world too. Completely different, yeah. yeah. Uh, the great the news great though is once you, your book does very well, then it makes it very, very easy for others to come behind you um, because then you've demonstrated that there is a market for this particular book. So it's always a fight up until you get to that point, but after that point, it becomes very easy to actually produce more of those types of stories. And I think this is where uh, then those who, like for me, I feel very, very lucky to have you know, published the book, and, mm-hmm. um, and this is where I think we then have to um, get back, right? This is where... Um, and this is why I think I, I feel very again fortunate to be in a position where I am able to mentor, mm-hmm. uh, and because uh, it, I've been lucky, be, people have I guess like they're like your allies, right? <laughs> they, they pick you up and help you move forward. And I think again, my my big thing right now is just when it's possible to encourage diverse voices, mm-hmm. uh, provide opportunities and platforms. Uh, for diverse voices and and just make room because mm-hmm. again um, I think there's so many remarkable and again I just sat on the um, 2018 uh, Writers Trust uh, Fiction mm-hmm. Jury oh, right okay. so I was able I to uh, we read 128 uh, fiction sorry novels. you read 120 novels right because I was on the jury for the Writers Trust Fiction how do you do that. And the, well, and the prize is fifty thousand dollars. That's wow. a big responsibility. Yes. Um, I, uh, I, because I had my summers off, because I'm an educator. Yes. So I was able to spend my t- summers. I just read. Mm-hmm. I just read and read, and that's uh, where I also discovered that oh my gosh, we have amazing talent, and our stories are crazy amazing. Yes, they are. It's, and it's changing.
thing. Like the Canlet that, with all due respect to, you know, the Canlet that I read growing up, um, Canlet, uh, it just looks and feels different mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, no, that's, it's, yeah, it's interesting yeah, that the, the progress that we're making within society. Um, and I really appreciate what you said just in terms about, you know, having a community around you because given that writing and, and producing literature is, is a very focused and solitary pursuit and that, you know, the business side, the publishing side, especially if you're going through an established publisher, there are these incredible lags in terms of feedback that you're getting that, you know, that group actually does soften the blow, as you said. And also, I would submit that they encourage you as well, just in terms of, you know, staying positive and staying focused in terms of, you know, what you're doing and also remind you the reason why you're writing in the first place. Because I think it can get very easy to become disillusioned, especially if you love, you know, what you do and, and your only impetus to write is to share these ideas that you have with, the, with an audience um, on a very sort of large scale or, or any type of platform. But when you're, that's curtailed, it creates sort of this, this disconnect. critical and that's not really attached emotionally to the story. Right, exactly. And I, I think that's really important for writers who want to publish. Mm -hmm. It's that you need, uh, I think it's beneficial to have a core group of like beta readers and, mm -hmm. and that are not your friends, that they have a job mm -hmm. and that you have set up regular meetings mm -hmm. and that again, we email each other our work a week before we meet. Mm -hmm. And it's always the same time, same day, right? It's the second Saturday. So it's it becomes, I think, for people who want to write to publish, you have to treat the writing as a job. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're setting that up, I'm wondering how many pages would you share of your work? We have a 20-page cap. 20 pages, okay. So it could be a line or 20 pages, but you have to Mm -hmm. you outside of writing? I'm sorry, what? What inspires you outside of writing? Outside of writing? Um, my, my students. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. my students, um, because I realized that, uh, and my daughter, because I have a 19-year-old daughter. Okay. And I wrote that Jeans Lucky Club Variety because it's the story, I was looking for um, a story about a Korean Canadian uh, family in Toronto for her to read, and we went to the bookstore, and we went to the library, and we were told there wasn't any, and that's another reason why I wanted to write the book to capture what um, was the early Korean Canadian experience in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it was the Golden Mail that we, uh, reported that it is the first uh, contemporary Korean Canadian novel in Canada. Wow, okay. Uh, so, I wanted it to be as accurate as possible in terms of, you know, like when the Korean Canadian Business Association was formed and, mm-hmm. and what life was like. Um, but my daughter inspires me to tell stories because mm-hmm. uh, I, I want them to, I want her to know. My daughter thinks, oh my gosh, her grandparents play golf and she sees me as a teacher and life is good. Mm-hmm. But, but once upon a time, it was very difficult. Yes. And I needed her to know that um, so that she has an appreciation for her family and her past. Mm-hmm. And then I look at my students at school, and I just, again, the idea of exposing them to diverse experiences, um, diverse voices, it, uh, I, it just helps me move forward. I get really excited mm-hmm. of working with young people, because mm-hmm. they come up with the best ideas. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And uh, their energy mm-hmm. is change things, which is also extremely inspiring. You've been extremely generous. Yeah, no, I really, really appreciate this. Um, Thank you. This has been amazing. I expected to talk to you maybe for 15, 20 minutes, but I really, really thank you for your time. Oh my gosh, Mom, thank you so much. My pleasure.
Thank you for joining us once again on our Bendo Books, Diversity and Inclusion. We would also like to send a very, very, very special thanks to our guest, Anne Y.K. Choi. Please follow Anne at a-N-N-Y-K-C-H-O-I.com. Um, we'll also include her Twitter and Facebook contacts in the show notes. You can also follow Anne's publisher, Simon & Schuster Canada. Also, follow us at abendobooks.com or on Instagram, abendo, U-P-E-N-D-O, underscore, underscore, books. Um, I'll include all that information in our notes as well. And uh, rate our episodes and include notes on the type of guests that intrigue you. We're more than happy to reach out to those individuals. Thank you so much once again for listening. And remember, these are our stories. (laughs) 